Click. Pew, 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 pew. Intro, intro, intro. 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 We haven't designed it yet. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey, everybody. I am Trevor L. Nelson. And I am Alex Dark. And we are with Gilded Cinema and Cinema Summit, and we're here to talk to your faces about cinema. Yeah. This is the first episode of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. One of two that we're probably going to do before we give up on it. Um, so, uh, And I yeah. apologize. I said we're going to talk to your faces, but mostly your ears, because this isn't going to be video recorded. Yeah. Video yeah. recorded. That's really 80s. But, we um, do have uh, a track record of two episodes, uh, so I don't know if that's... You know, it's we have a good track record of not following through with our track record. Yeah. Like, like we, have a, we have a track record of always failing. Yeah. Of giving up. That's, that's true. A, that's a bad track record. That's pretty but bad. But that's the only track record we have. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just quit everything mid-accomplishment. Mid that's the only track record we have other than my 27-minute uh, mile. Oh, man. That's I remember that. Oh, man. I remember that. That was epic. That was an epic day. Everyone was cheering because they thought he was going to pass out and die on the track. But uh, he made it. He made it, folks. And he's here with us today. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by whatever alcohol we're drinking at the moment. Don't even know the name of this alcohol, but it is moonshine and it is delicious. It certainly is. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today, Alex? What are we What are we hitting them with some info on? Um, so we had a couple options here. Okay. Um, I, but, this is, sounds like something that should have been discussed before we started, but that's fine. Well, we did discuss it, and you said, Alex, you figure it out. Oh, so you're going to hit me. You're not even going to tell me beforehand. You're just going to hit me in the face, Yeah, and we got to go with it. Yeah. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about shot listing. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it a good idea to shot list all the time? Are there situations where you shouldn't shot list or you don't need to shot list, et cetera, et cetera, that? Should we kind of introduce ourselves first, since this is the inaugural, like... Why are they listening to us? I guess we could. I mean, read it in the bio below. No, don't do that. No, because we're horrible at don't writing. Don't read. No, don't read. Just listen in your car. Don't exactly. don't read it in do your, while you're driving. Um, so me and Alex, we have a uh, production company in Los Angeles, Gilded Cinema. We met at USC's <laughs> famed... <laughs> I actually fell asleep. That was me snoring. Yeah, Sorry, that was guys. Met um, <laughs> um, at film school at USC. Founded our uh, production company after we got out of college, and we currently are filming things for Larry King's uh, production company. He has a production company called Aura Media. They do Larry King Now, Politicking, a bunch of other shows, past and present, um, and then that's our, that's our main drag. But we also teach fun things on cinemasummit.com and all this other stuff. And we drink. And we drink. Oh, yeah. We wanted to start uh, these podcasts with a little section about what's new. What's new with us. With us. With us. Um, so, basically, what is new with us? I, I well, don't know. Well, just uh, a few moments ago, we had uh, RB from Stage 32 hanging out over here. Stage32.com. If, you if you're not a member of it, it's a cool little website to connect you with other filmmakers and yeah. creators. Yeah. It's like a, if you haven't heard of it, it's kind of like a Facebook or a social media platform specifically for the entertainment industry. And seeing that I just said that, you probably already heard of it when Alex said, if you haven't heard of it. Yeah, so if you haven't heard of it, it's kind of like a, it's like a Twitter, but more like a Facebook 
with uh, <laughs> pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they, they they stopped by. We shot something for RB for his book that he's putting out, uh, crowdsourcing for filmmakers. Um, uh, and we discussed some things, some projects with them. We're going to start working into some uh, creative projects as well as educational products um, yes, yes, and yes. educational projects. Um, but we're also always writing. We're always uh, coming up with ideas for features, for shorts, for web series, for TV shows. Um, but that's nothing new. So the newest thing is we met with Stage 32. Um, wow, yeah. you, were, you were just rambling on about absolutely nothing. I know. This is the worst part of this. Why? Like, <laughs> God, can't we just edit this? Cut it All right, off. Here's, uh, here's another new thing. I guess it's new. Okay. Um, this Sunday, we are nominated for an Emmy. Oh, that's right. Uh, two. Well, I mean, yeah. we're not nominated for two, but our we're, show. Our show is nominated for two. That is a new thing. Um, it's kind of funny. It isn't a new thing because. It's Larry's got more. Larry has had more nominations since he retired, quote unquote, from CNN uh, than he did at CNN. Yeah. Um, we've been nominated. This is our fourth nomination, um, including the ones for him for host. Uh, I think this is our seventh. Seventh. And so, how many have been for the show? Is it four. Um, yeah, for Larry King now. Yeah, four. So four uh, fingers crossed. Uh, Larry promised he would buy us all statues. If we did win, um, knock on wood, uh, we don't have any wood here. This is 2018. Who has wood? Uh, for a mica, carbonate. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's new. We're uh, we're it's a daytime Emmy, so don't get it confused with uh, the regular Emmys. This is like the uh, regular Emmys, redheaded stepchild, the daytime mm-hmm. Emmys. Correct. Yep. But uh, yeah, good luck to all. Um, but I hope we win. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. <laughs> because I think I can get at least two more gigs a year because of that Emmy. Yeah, me too. Woo! Me too. Um, it'll be good to hold some doors open. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> because they're heavy and we can just put them as doorstops. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it for what's new. Anything else you can think of? Um, no, I guess awesome. I would... very intriguing. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I would just say... Uh, Dead pause. Check out... Uh, cinemasummit.com for some new stuff. We're always putting up different articles and uh, we got some videos that are supposed to be coming out here pretty soon oh, with man, uh, yeah. Jonathan Levine, a little interview action. Yep, yep, yep. And also uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram at Gilded Cinema. We always post pictures up there of projects we're working on. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of the, where we're at with the new stuff for us. Um, I know you all are just patiently awaiting all of our news updates. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure they're patiently awaiting all of this. Oh man, the whole uh, three-hour episode that this will surely be. Mom, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Alex's um, mom, thank you for listening. Yeah. So shall we move on to the prime time? Prime time. Prime. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not as exciting as it really sounds. But yes, uh, let's move on to prime time. Um. Hey, friends. Hey. Do you do you storyboard? No, not storyboard. God, Trevor, we're talking about shot listing. Oh, God, Dad, I already screwed it up. Too much drinking, too much drinking. Shot um, listing. Shot listing. So, um, me and Alex are both directors. We direct. We co-direct, um, mm-hmm. which kind of mm-hmm. you know throws everything in the mix. So, Alex, let's talk about shot listing if you were directing on your own. And, yeah. And I'll talk about the same. Okay. Um, for me, I definitely like to shot list because I like the, having it as a communication tool for the rest of the crew or whoever. Mm-hmm needs it um because 
I, I just think, especially for like ADs and stuff, even if you don't stick to it necessarily, it's good f- for them to at least have an idea yeah. of what the trajectory of the day is. And that's exactly what I would agree with. I mean, it don't use it as a crutch. Use it as a guiding force. Um, especially helpful when you're uh, working with a DP you may not have worked with before. Just to give them a kind of idea of what you're doing. And then um, I also look at it as a way to just speed up production because it if you have a general idea you can you know it's like learning the rules of lighting or learning the rules of editing learn the basics learn the rules and then break them as you see fit um it's also so i tend to shoot a lot of uh digital stuff Mm. they used to call them web series but now they're Mm. called digital Mm. series Mm. that's very sexy yeah um and those tend to be kind of like super last minute and kind of thrown together and um everyone is always sort of running around like crazy don't really know what's going on and that that is the worst even just like knowing what the next shot is going to be mm-hmm. so usually on those you get handed the shot list like the day of you don't have the yeah you don't have it days before to sort of prepare and so even just being able to pull it out of your pocket and say okay what's next if you have like a second break yeah. Um, to think about what you're going to be doing next will help kind of speed up production. A and, little bit. and it also, I mean, I've done the same thing. I've directed digital where um, even if, you know, because it's digital, everyone kind of gets really lackadaisical on, on digital. They think they can just run and gun it without any real planning because, hey, it's digital. But even if I come into a set that, you know, because it's digital, there's not much planning. There's not enough budget to like have a, you know, a walkthrough day or a meeting day and all stuff like that. Um, I'll just go in the corner for like 15, 15 minutes after I get there and come up with a really, really loose shot list. And it also helps to know that, okay, did I get all the shots I need for coverage? Can we move on to the next setup? Because you'll be... That's be, true, yeah. When you're speeding through it, even just yeah. having it as like a checklist after the fact. Not even like um, uh, for pre-production, but like if you were to not have a shot list, but just writing down the shots that you did... Mm-hmm. To sort of look back at the end when you're like, okay, we're about to move on. We're about to do like a company move or something. Did we get everything yeah. we need for the edit? Yep. Um, yep. Um, it's just, it's very helpful. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to say it's not needed. And, and, you know, as you move more with the same group of people and you're working with the same people, it's not as needed because you kind of get like, I, I kind of can communicate if, if I'm directing Alex's DPing. I can easily know what Alex wants to shoot, and he kind of knows what I want. And it, it, we kind of work very fluid, and we don't really need a shot list. But as we bring out the other people onto productions, we need a shot list just for them. I mean, we can communicate yeah. with, in a way that other people won't understand. But if we have a shot list that everyone can follow, it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I think you can kind of, uh, for, for shoots or scenes that you're shooting in a day or whatever, um, where it would normally just be kind of standard coverage, and you're just doing like... Um, uh, over the shoulders, you know, shot reverse shot type stuff. Um, you might not need it for those scenes, but um, you know, you can always have it as a framework, like we said, like the the dream list. It's like if we have time, we know we have to do standard coverage for the scene. It's kind of just like around a table or whatever. Boring. But if we have time, we could do this cool Dutch angle crane shot over the table or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's like. 
those types of if things. If we have time, we're going to set up a giant crane and yeah. do this very complicated move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you, exactly. n- even if you get all your shots off and you have time, you don't have time to do a crane move at the last minute. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. Yeah. Unless that crane is you just put it on a roller skate and slide it slowly. I was just thinking, you know, hanging out like static over top. One of those mm. over top shots, you know? Yeah, I mean, even still setting up a crane. <laughs> just yeah. put somebody on a ladder. Just put somebody on a ladder. Don't even say sure, crane. ladder. Yeah, that there works too. Yeah, Did that. No, I totally agree with that. I think. I think. You know, everyone's saying cinema changes all the time, and and making films, and no matter what, it is, TV, films, web series, digital, whatever you want to call it, um, porn. I don't know. Um, whatever you're shooting, mm-hmm. they all say yeah. you know it's always changing and the way to shoot it is different. You know, Steven Soderbergh just came with an iPhone. There's still some standards you want to do just to make everything run smoothly. And I think a shot list is still, no matter how archaic it is and no matter how quickly put together it is, you still want a shot list just so you can uh, kind of get an idea of where the day's going. Yeah. So what do you use to shot list when you do it? Do you just do it in Word or something like that? Um, or I mean, I, I don't think I even have Word installed on the computer anymore. I, I, <laughs> Google, Google Docs, Docs, easy to share. Um, but also... Uh, two things. I usually carry around a little notebook with me um, in my back pocket. It's mm-hmm. um, very analog. Very analog. Very analog. But I'm a analog guy living in a digital world. Do not. <laughs> um, uh, so if I if I again if I show up on set and they you know it's just thrown together and it's like they're all like oh whatever I'll just whip uh, I'll whip that out hey hey mm-hmm. um, and just write a little thing and maybe take a picture of it and send it to everyone on the crew. Just be like, hey, here's my shot list. Um, this is what I'm thinking. I, I just, I tend to like to write things down. Um, the ongoing joke at our office is that I have post-it notes everywhere. I have post-it notes Literally to remind everywhere. me to, to go buy new, new post-it notes. Mm-hmm. That's um, a big one. And it's just because I like writing things down. It kind of puts it into my mind a little bit better. Um, I do, I do post-it notes of projects I'm working on, ideas I have. Um, just because the way I work, the way my mind works, if I write it down, it's just another way to remember it. Yeah. I've tried using some apps and stuff. And if you, it, it seems like extra work sometimes, but yeah, I, I, like, but it also is really handy. So there's one app called Shotlister. Okay. Um, that works out really well. But then there's also like, front, cause on the no budget stuff that, that you and I do, yeah. um, it's a lot of, we're doing not just directing. So we're not just yeah. choosing shot you know, selection, like shot angles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're actually setting up lighting and doing all that. So, um, there is a, an app that lets you do overhead diagrams, but then at the same time it like spits out a shot list. Okay. Uh, Uh, cause I was gonna say, if you, if you said to me apps for shot lists, I would say Google drive and leave it at that and walk away. But if they, if it takes out, you know, some diagrams and puts it in a shot list, then I'm down with that. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. I did that for, um, that short that we did, pros and cons, which was just kind of like a run and gun. We did it in less than like 24 hours, basically mm. shooting this uh, little short. And mm-hmm. the yeah. night before I did the diagram because we had only a certain amount of time in that, in yep. that location. We only had three hours, I think. Yeah. And so I was like, well, we have to, we have to hang some lights and like just set them and shoot the whole scene that way. So we could just, uh, have them set and not have to worry about relighting each angle. And it worked out really well. It yeah. Out really well. The thing that I hate, and I don't do this as much because um, I'm crew on 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 some things. I tend to direct more, but I, you know, I've done camera. I've done first AC. 
um, stuff like that. I hate it when a director will have a shot list, but they don't share it with anybody. It's like their own personal shot list. Yeah. Um, I just know that we were on a project um, in the in the woods. Ah. And we were, not to name names, because we don't want anybody to, you know, whatever. Um, but we just kind of didn't know what we were doing next. Um, and the director knew. The director knew what he wanted, what he needed. But in that situation, because we were in the middle of the woods, in the dead of night, pitch black, it was just kind of like, what are did we not have a shot list I don't, for that? I, we didn't see it. I don't. I don't know if he had a shot list, but I didn't see a shot list. Yeah, maybe not. I. I, I don't remember. Uh, he he explained what like the what general shots were coming up, or or and also what what general areas we were shooting in. Mm-hmm. Like we went went from you know the open wood area to the the fireplace, but it was it was not communicated well enough. So there was a lot of running around, and that's not what you want to do in a bear infested forest in the middle of the night when it's very cold. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So again, I mean, I think it's it's generally for at least to me everyone else, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. you as the director I think could show up and you know, if it weren't for having to have these 12 other people mm-hmm. work and do their job, you would be able to just show up and do all the shots that you needed. Yep. And and as an editor, I can kind of edit in my head and know what I need. But I mean, if you don't communicate that with your crew, it's pointless. Yeah. Yeah, so at what point uh, would you decide, like, if if someone came to you with a project um, and you read the script, mm-hmm. uh, what's your first sort of step in in selecting your shots and stuff like that? I would probably, as soon as I could, I'd meet with the DP if they had already been selected. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean... Yeah, they want to talk a big game about how the director is like this, you know, the, the captain of the ship. But man, DP and and it's a team, it, yeah, and DP and director team is maybe the most integral part of that whole thing. So I just as soon as I meet with the DP, I probably read the script. I tend to read the script once just to absorb it. Um, I also do this when I'm like somebody, a friend of mine says, "Hey, can you read my script? Tell me what you think." I read it once just to as as somebody reading it, not critical of anything, not thinking of anything, and then I read it a second time, um, either that night um, or the next day, just to kind of let it marinate a little bit. And so once I'm reading it the second time through, I start kind of coming up with an idea. Because um, if I, if you start doing that first time you read through a script, the tone could be completely different in the next scene that you didn't see. And so the shots you're setting up in the scene before are totally different than what the tone is for the next scene or a pivotal right. thing. So I kind of go through the script a second time, maybe a day later, and start setting up the shots and uh, figuring out what I want. Um, if I can't meet with the DP, I'll do it on my own. But if I can meet with the DP, I kind of do that. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to... I mean, obviously, I think knowing the location is crucial. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I have to be, uh, you know, past the location scout point before I can really start shallowest. I mean, I could, I could do it. Yeah. Just like a dream, but I don't think, uh, you know, without knowing the limitations of the space, it's hard to, and that, that's totally me coming from like the, the kind of running gun, no budget because like on stuff where you have more of a budget, you know, you kind of find the lo- the location based on what you want to do. Exactly, I was just going to say that's not really the case. Yeah, on on the more low budget, no budget stuff. I was going to say in the dream world, what's on on the page is where you're going to shoot. So if it's like right. in a giant warehouse, 
you're going to shoot in a giant warehouse, you can kind of visualize what shots you can get. Yeah. Like the fact that there's, you're like, well, you know what? I really want a really high shot. Let's get some rafters. Let's get a warehouse with rafters. That's awesome. But in no budget, you your warehouse you your warehouse turned into somebody's garage and it just got <laughs> exactly. a lot smaller. Exactly. Or you're trying to shoot in, in, a, in a Victorian house or something and there's only one that's under $500 a day. <laughs> Maybe that's too expensive. <laughs> Grandma's. <laughs> Grandma? Can you help me with the house? Um, yeah, I mean, these are all ideal situations. I tend to, I mean, just the flip side of yours is like, sometimes there is no location scout. There's no location scouting. And, you know, it's just one of those, you have three days before they shoot this. Because yeah. all this stuff happens so fast these days. I sound old, super old. Older than I really am because I'm old, but... I'm just no, like wishing true. up the good old days when you had time to do everything. That's true. I think I think mostly because we also shoot a lot of um, dock yeah. stuff or like reality type things or mm-hmm. lifestyle or what have you. Um, even you know, not necessarily stuff where it's just spur of the moment. We're like following like reality, but it's set up and you're looking for different shots and whatnot. That type of stuff is definitely pretty rare. I think for us to get access to the location ahead of time we might get some pictures but i think in the narrative realm from a directing standpoint you generally are able to not so much from the dp standpoint a lot of times i've been brought on as a dp never having (laughs) they kind of forget about you guys yeah they do they're just like oh just make the director's vision come come alive yeah oh man i mean yeah i mean there's a lot of fantasy scenarios that would be amazing like perfect scenarios where you have the time you have the budget and you can kind of envision it as you will but nowadays with budgets getting smaller and smaller they want it you know there's no prep day there's no walkthrough day you don't know who you're shooting with until the day you show up on set you don't even know what you're shooting on yeah you don't even know if you're going to be at the location for more than an hour because you don't actually have permits and you don't even know if you're actually shooting that day. Because hmm. <laughs> it's just a wait and see when they can get the cheapest stuff. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, ideal situation. You have all the time in the world. You do it beforehand after locations. But yeah. we're talking no budget filmmaking. No budget filmmaking means no time, no money, yeah, uh, no locations. Um, so now, let me ask you, if, you, um, if you're on set, mm-hmm. you have your shot list already. Oh, right? I like this. Someone um, on the crew, it could be anyone. PA. Yeah, exactly. Comes up uh, and gives you a suggestion. Oh, I punch him. Yeah. yeah. Just right in the face. I um, say, this is my movie. <laughs> and then they're saying, sir, this is a commercial for Rogaine. I said, well, this is my commercial for Rogaine. You get back there. I'm mm-hmm. doing an overhead shot of the bald spot, and I'm going to make it look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have Starburst coming out of this head, the, the bald spot because then it's covered up by hair with Rogaine. Mm-hmm. Tangent it's all, it's over all vision. Yeah, tangent over. Um, you saying uh, collaboration away from the shot list? Yeah, from people who aren't necessarily like uh, uh, part of the overall creative, like top <clears throat> the um, department heads and stuff like that. I mean, you and I both kind of work the same way, where we're always open to collaboration because it's like there's so many creative people out there that there's some really good suggestions now if somebody comes up to me and says hey this would be a cool shot you should get this and we're not running behind and we have a little extra time and we've gotten all the coverage i'd be like yeah yeah that's definitely but if i can get in like eight people saying that 
after every scene, I'd be like, whoa, hold on. You're just yeah. slowing the production down even more. Um, right. Because the people who aren't department heads probably don't know the schedule, how tight the schedule is, how tight the budget is. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not, I'm not annoyed. If I get eight people doing, eight different people doing it, or the same guy doing it after every, every scene, I'd be like, all right, we, you know, thank you. If you want to talk after this, we can talk about your ideas, but we got to keep this moving. Um, what about yeah. you? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I have had, I'm, I'm not, uh, proud to say moments where, uh, early on, and I would say in my sort of film school career, I had people because at film school, I mean, you know, everyone's, everyone's, uh, wearing thicker glasses. Everyone's a oh, critic. That's the thing is that in film school, everyone wants to be director. Right. Like, exactly. like you don't have a dedicated sound guy who wants to go to film school and become a sound guy. So right. everyone, everyone. Film school is a little different beast. So there were there were a couple times where I got a little like uh, territorial and was like, "This is mine." Boo! I'll do whatever I want. Boo! But uh, other than that, I think it definitely is at least good to hear people out and say, "Okay, that's interesting. Why do you think that would be better?" Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean. You gotta have a reason. You gotta have a reason to come to me and say that this shot, we should try this shot. If it's just because you think it looks cool and it'd be like you saw it in a film one time, I may still listen, but I probably won't really give it much thought. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm always open for collaboration. Has there ever been a time when, where uh, a shot list slowed you down, you think? Or having a shot list? Like if you would have just done it off the top of your head, it might have gone faster. I think early in my career where I wasn't sure of myself and my directing and, and, you know, um, and I wasn't as confident in my shot list cause I was like, Oh, this is just so boring and not, you know, whatever. Um, I just wasn't confident in anything I did. I kind of just like, okay, well I wrote this out. I planned it when I wasn't so stressed. So this is the way to go. Like I have to do it this way because if I do it any other way, it's going to screw up. And it was like the non-confidence part of me that was like, Hey, don't stray. Don't, you got to do it strictly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've had it too, where it's just like when you were early on, you're like, nope, this is how I plan it. This is how I see it in my head. It has to go this way or it's a failure. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you kind of have it set in your head. I think that's something that the experience of being on sets where it goes so long or it goes awry and you learn really quickly to be flexible and sort of especially um when you're running and gunning or whatever you kind of have to be flexible and kind of figure out things on the go and so if things aren't going how you planned in this one shot's not working you have to figure out how to uh sort of work around that or like set up a different shot to try to get what you were hoping for but in a different way yeah you got to be flexible because Nothing's set in stone. Nothing's perfect. No situation's no. perfect. No. I, I mean, it, look, every rule's made to be broken. Some people don't use shot lists. I mean, I know for a fact, I've heard many times, I know for a fact, mm -hmm. quote me, mm -hmm. it's true. Um, I mean, Steven Spielberg, he just kind of goes in there and he has an idea, but he just plays around with the camera. Um, yeah, because, okay, so... I, I totally understand that, especially from a 
sort of DSLR coming from the DSLR world, it's、mm-hmm. so easy to just pick up the camera、yeah. and like, oh, oh、yeah. I didn't realize this shot was going to look so cool over here. Just、yeah. kind of like land into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little different when you're running around with like huge cameras and rigs, and it takes you know. 45 minutes to set up. True, but he's also Spielberg and he can take the time he wants because、yeah, everyone knows. But I mean, it,、um, yeah, of course, the name of escaping me, but I don't think he does it with the camera. He does it with his、uh, director viewfinder. Sure. So he just sits there and does that. I know、um, on、uh, this, again, it's so easy to, to fall back into like, the perfect scenario. On Amelie, if you watch the behind the scenes of Amelie, they have a DSLR back when DSLRs were just cusp- on the cusp of video. I don't、mm-hmm. even think it was HD video, but they do like, walkthroughs with、uh, DSLR to make sure that that's the shot they wanted. Yeah.、Um, I think that's an awesome idea. I mean, especially now with like, the phones and stuff,、yeah. having such good cameras. And yeah. It's a good idea, especially for action scenes or just kind of anything that's a little bit more complicated, complex. But again, it's that, that's the. Perfect scenario when you have the time and money that you can go on to the location a day early and just do some run throughs. Yeah. Not, not, not happening so much in, when you're working with no budget and no time. No, but you could totally do sort of a, a blocking、mm-hmm. in just like an open space. True, true. Without, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, super accurate. You might have different, like, depending on what the art is, you know, the art department, like、yep. if they have. If you even have one. Yeah, I was、um, going to say, art department. Or the location, you know, if the、that'd、location has、awesome. super cool sections and you weren't planning for that or whatever. But、uh, I don't know. I think you could totally get away with sort of camera blocking、yeah. for an action scene or like a, or whatever in just like a big open space. Now, here's a question for you. How often do you think, you know, it goes back to our cinema school days when it's like, The director did this to put this meaning in the film.、Mm, yes. How often do you think. They meant to do that? They, 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 they get, <laughs> you know, those awesome shots where they're like through a grate or that's like,、yeah. you know, like,、um, like、uh, a rain fountain where there's water coming through it. And how, how often do you think somebody goes in and they're like, no, I want this shot, I want this here? Or they're just like on set and they're like, you know what would be sweet? Like, let's just shoot it through this rain fountain that looks like it's like, you know, moving water and that looks so awesome. I mean, You, you get a shot like The Graduate where it's through the leg. Like, that's obviously deliberate. Yeah. But there's so many shots out there that I just think that they just were like, you know what? This looks pretty cool. Let's just shoot it. Yeah. I, I definitely think there's a lot of that. It's, it is a sort of artistic, creative medium with a lot of artistic, creative people. So I don't think you could stop you know, people from、yeah. sort of discovering on set. That's kind of half the fun. You don't want to, like you said, if it becomes too rigid, It's not really、yeah. fun. It's not really art at that point. You're just kind of like following a, an instruction booklet, but discovering on set is really the most fun part. So, what do you think? What do you think the a,、like, a percentage the percent? of that is where it's like it just was random? Or how often do you think they plan out like a shot that's just totally abstract? I think it depends.、I, I imagine it's way higher. For movies that are on practical locations, because you can manipulate the if you're, yeah, if you're shooting on a soundstage, you have designed it in such a way to have that fountain there or whatever、yeah. you're talking about. You know, it's like that's there for a reason.、Mm-hmm. And so they've built it、yeah. versus showing up on set and sort of figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like、uh, when we went to、uh, a screening at USC. Of、uh, 
Star Wars with uh, who's the director? Uh, Gareth Edwards. Right, Gareth Edwards, and he was talking about was it Gareth Edwards. Ed- I know Gareth. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Gareth Edwards. Okay. Or not <laughs> to the cloud. You keep talking. Um, he was talking about making that leap from being sort of a scrappy indie filmmaker, right, shooting his own things, to Godzilla, you know, and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. And it was that exact sort of thing. It kind of became a problem. Uh, not not a problem, but it was like he's so used to finding the shot instead of the people coming up to him being like, okay, so what do you want in the shot? And yeah. He he definitely mentioned that as being sort of a hurdle that he had to get over. Yeah. And uh, side note, point for us, it was Gareth Edwards. Nailed it. Nailed it from downtown. Um, yeah, because he would when he did Monsters, he said they just drove around and if they saw a cool spot, they'd shoot it. And see, that's the thing is that, like, you know, it's funny because we talk about like, oh, in the perfect world if we had budget or money. But in the other perfect world, when you don't have the the restraints of a budget and like having to answer to money people. Money can, people. Money people. People with the money. Uncle Pennybags. Um, you can, uh, can kind of just kind of explore. Like he said he was just driving around Mexico and he'd see a cool spot. And like, you know what? This is where I want to shoot my scene. Yeah. Um, and to me, that that's really like the oh, fun part. Again, oh, yeah. And it's like. Come on! Did you get the Did you get the feeling from his interview of uh, when we saw Rogue One? They didn't have that much fun shooting it. He just kind of seemed like there was just so much pressure I on him. I, I imagine when you're given a Star Wars, Woo-hoo. I from that point on until it's over and no one's talking to you about it anymore. I imagine you're just in kind of like a foggy haze of just like emotions shut down. Yeah, you just and you're. You just can't, you know, you can't deal with it. It's like overload. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think that it was just awesome the whole time, but he just seemed like he was stressed and it didn't help that they had to bring somebody else in to make some fixes on his stuff. And, um, yeah, because it, 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 like, it, it was kind of funny. I mean, it just, when he was talking about like shooting monsters, it, he just mm-hmm. sounded like, oh, it, it was like almost like the, this is why I got into filmmaking. And then it, when he was talking about Rogue One, he's like, Oh, the pressure of filmmaking. Right. It's, well, that again, that's exactly what Mark Duplass said when yeah. he, he was on Larry Larry King now. He was talking about doing a temple. Doing a tentpole film if he him and his brother got offered one, he said that they would turn it down for that very reason because it it would just the stress of too would, many people, too many cooks in the kitchen, producers telling you how to shoot. Yeah, it just wears you down and I I imagine it's just not as creative of a process. I mean, yeah. there, there's, there definitely is a lot of creativity that goes into it, obviously. Yeah. But it just, I'm sure it just seems so bureaucratic and it's, red tape everywhere. It's got to be a happy medium. You just got to get to the point where, <laughs> dream scenario, someone gives you money and lets you do what you want to do. Yeah, so if you know anyone, yeah, uh, listeners uh, out yeah. there. Um, please uh, send to giveusmoney at gmail.com. Correct. That's uh, the we one. accept Bitcoin, uh, Dogecoin. Uh, there's a garlic coin. Yep, and banana coin. Oh, banana coin. Banana chips, actually. Banana chips. Bana- we definitely take banana chips. Yeah, dehydrated banana uh, chips, You can please. give us kale chips, and we'll just give them away. But Yeah, uh, yeah we'll give them away. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of I kinda see where the Dupless brothers are coming from. Like, granted, it'd be awesome to shoot like a Marvel or, or, a, or a Star Wars movie, but at the same time, I mean... Yeah, so let me ask you. 
Uh-oh. You've asked me this before. I think I know the answer. But yeah, if, you, yeah. if uh, let's say it wasn't Star Wars. Okay. Let's you say, already know the answer to that. If, if yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's say it was something, a franchise. Okay. Um, maybe a, a remake that they're, they're super stoked about, right? Okay. You don't necessarily know a whole lot about. Maybe okay. like... Um, Murder, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> right up my alley. You're Love gonna, it. Oh. Like a huge tentpole. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. It gives me a tentpole, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Swing. Um, it, would, I, would I do a remake you, of, uh, of a feature-length Murder, she wrote? Yeah. Um, um, they, got, they got Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Um, I'm liking where this is going. They got, uh, they got uh, Daniel Craig. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, they got big stars for this, and let's say it's a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. Okay, um, here is the longer than you expected answer. Okay, it would definitely depend on where I am in my career. Um, if I had already done like a twenty million dollar movie, um, I may not have. Ta- I may not take it. Um, um, but that being said, if I hadn't done it. If I'd only done a one million dollar movie, I may not take it because I'd be like, "Holy shit! How the hell am I going to pull this off with this big of a budget?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't need one hundred fifty million dollars for Murder She Wrote. God, nobody needs one hundred fifty million dollars for Murder She Wrote. Is one hundred forty nine million dollars going to Scarlett Johansson? Be honest with me, because why is it the budget this big? Um, in all honesty, it would be one of those things where, if I think I can do something new and exciting with it, I would jump on. Like yeah. I like I don't want to do like like that's why I know you weren't a huge fan of Black Panther. Yeah, it was okay to you. It was fine. It, it was, was fine. just like every other Marvel movie. I thought there were some things. Of- there were some things that were a little different in the Marvel movie. It was a little more, a little more artsy and more like of a message, like and than the other yeah. Marvel movies. And if I'll, I, I'll preface that by saying I'm also I'm just not a comic book. I'm kind of over the comic book you movies. Know. I, 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 yeah. It came at a time. I feel like if Black Panther came out when, like, after the first Iron Man, yeah, I'd be like, oh man, tight. yeah. And so I mean, like, that's the kind of thing. Was like, if I can do something within this franchise of Murder She Wrote, mm-hmm. that is, and like, oh, guess what? Murder She Wrote, Daniel Craig's the author, oh. and Scarlett Johansson is Angela Lansbury, but not the writer. Mm-hmm. So it's Murder She Wrote, but it's a dude. Makes no sense, but it's different enough. Um, <laughs> that would keep you interested, huh? That would that, that would keep me interested. I mean, I don't know. I'm just oh, I'm over superhero movies because one, I just, man. one you always uh, it's it's this thing of like they're always gonna win. Like I know in Infinity War, I haven't seen it yet. I know people are gonna die, and that's crazy. But in the end, like like. I would be I would be more amped to go see it if it, if I if there was a small chance that Thanos was going to come and actually kill everyone and then that'd be the end of Marvel. I'd be like, oh shit, this is crazy. But yeah. you know they're going to win, and it's it's just like yeah, it's just becoming so predictable at this exactly, point. It's, exactly, it's you got you got these this ragtag bunch of people that aren't getting along at the moment for some reason. Um, then the sky portal opens up and <laughs> sky portal the, that is true. The people fly in and to take over the world for some reason, and then everyone has to band together and work as a team uh, to defeat them, and they do, yay. And and not only that, but like, there's comic books based on this. Read the comic book and you'll know kind of who dies. Like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, and, and, and you get in the business side of it. Well, Chris Evans 
said he was signed on for a certain number of Avengers of, of Captain America movies. Mm-hmm. This is the last one he signed on for. I wonder who's gonna die. I was like, yeah. And spoiler alert: I think Captain America is gonna probably die. Yeah, probably. Um, and and you know, it's like you can read that's like, well, the Winter Soldier becomes Captain America in the in the uh, comic books, and well, at the end of Black Panther. Bucky becomes better, and he's not so mentally crazy. I wonder what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe if I didn't read all about the business side of it, I would be more surprised. But I mean, if if someone gave me Star Wars, this is why I'm actually I'm excited for Ryan Johnson's Star Wars um, universe that he's creating. He's yeah. got three movies that are not tied to the to the trilogy, the sequel, or the prequel. Because I thought. Force uh, uh, Last Jedi was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. I'm excited to see what he can do outside of it. I like if somebody came to me and was like, "Do you want to do one of the ones? Like, say they did three more sequels after this, which I don't think they're going to do." And they said, "We want you to direct one of that, or you can have it set in the Star Wars mo- era, but it has complete in the universe, but there's it's completely not tied to any other Star Wars stuff." I'd be like. Hell yeah, sign me up for that one instead. Yeah. What about you? That was a long fucking answer. Jesus. For the murder she wrote? Yeah. Like, you asking me if I would do a franchise, and I think I just talked for 15 minutes about nonsense and got into Black Panther. Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson is the, the killer, and Daniel Craig is the <laughs> she wrote. <laughs> um, so you're asking me for murder she wrote or a different, a different movie? <laughs> so if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, we want you to... So if somebody came up to you, Three things. Say you've done a couple movies, you know, yeah. like, you know, decent budget range, one mm-hmm. to 20 million. Okay. They said, we can have you do a sequel to this existing property. Okay. That's pretty popular. Okay. Let's just say, uh, because you're not as big a Star Wars fan as I am, it's not, I, like, if you yeah. told me Star Wars, I'd immediately sign up. I know, it does, I, that's not necessarily true for you. Someone no, says not. you could do a, do a sequel to Star Wars. Yeah. Someone said you could do a remake or a reboot in this other universe, like, Mm-hmm. Um, let's say Captain Kangaroo uh-huh. but make him dark or we're going to give you an original you can do an original project for less of a budget what would you do? I'd probably do the original project which but, by the way how the hell did we go from storyboarding to, this, to uh, shot man, listening we, to this? We, we got a little we, we pulled we, the Trevor and Alex we just yeah, ramble we ramble okay go ahead go ahead go ahead sorry I sorry, would sorry. Um, I would probably do the original mostly be, or or the Star Wars in a new universe. Really? Well, okay. within the universe, but like outside yeah, 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 of the... Yeah. Um, but only because that's my biggest problem with taking on a franchise like that, unless you have an extreme connection to the material, which I do not. Is there a franchise you have an extreme connection to? Um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo? Chucky? Oh, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I guess, um, again, I'm, I don't know the whole in and outs of it. Yeah. So there's that, but I would love to do, or I would want to do like an X-Men because that was the only comic book that I read as a kid. Mm. And it was, I watched the cartoons, you know, but I'm not such like a freak about it that I know every little detail. I just really liked it. So, and that being said, I think the perfect example of what we would do is Logan. Logan in the world, is the best comic book movie that's come out. In the, in the X-Men world, but completely different. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? Do a black and white version. That's cool, too. Super cool. 
Yeah, that's my old like. Keep talking. I'm gonna the, get another drink. I'm okay. parched. Keep going. Um, that's to me the only comic book movie that has really um, sort of made any ground on doing anything that seems kind of new and fresh. Um, so totally, I would do that. I would do an X Men movie, but I honestly would probably lean toward doing the original for a smaller budget just because I don't know. There's something about, um, coming up with a completely original story, um, not having to stick to stuff that other people have sort of come up with decades ago or what have you. Um, you know what I mean? Like I I don't necessarily want to be on a set where I have to have a person like a specific crew member hired to tell me that I'm screwing up because, uh, uh, Xavier wouldn't, uh, use that type of pen or something. But that being said, you would definitely want to do a trilogy of your own ideas. Definitely. Yeah. Right. You just don't want somebody else coming in with the, with the film Bible telling you that that wouldn't happen. Yeah. It's like, that's why I think maybe a star Wars in not the, the current, yeah, universe of Star Wars would be okay because you're not tied to it. You Even can have some I'm, Jedi, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, is he doing something totally original, or is he just offshooting to a different, uh, different storyline that someone had come up in like with like a novel or a, a TV show? No, I think it's his own original trilogy. Yeah, so that to me is a little bit different. I would do that. I would absolutely do that. Like, yeah, I mean, grant, granted, I don't think. I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't think I'm the greatest writer. So, you know, but the fact is, is that I feel that I would have more fun writing my own stuff than pulling from a novel that has already been in because it's another, it's a, the Bible saying true to like the idea that's in this, you know, because Star Wars, the universe of Star Wars has so many novels out there that are side stories that don't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So then you're getting, you're tied to somebody else's story. Yes. I also think, um, you know, you just made me think, like, well, what if somebody else... Because I was coming from that question as like a writer-director. Yeah. But what if someone else wrote the script for the Star Wars or the uh, the one that's just like a The Last Jedi or whatever to come in and just direct someone else's script? I still don't think I would do that because as the director, you kind of have to yeah. you know, oversee the whole production, including um, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know about that's written in the script. Yeah, I mean, in general... Granted, this is easy to say now, but I would really have to like a script to shoot somebody else's script. Yeah, there is something, I mean, for a feature, yeah, definitely. I mean, granted, there are a lot of movies out there that, you know, I've read the script of and I'm like, yeah, I would love to do it. And and I used to also, like, I would go um, read a script before I saw a movie, and then I would shot list it and storyboard the movie and then watch it and see how my storyboards and shot list uh how it compared to what the final movie was um so i'm not opposed to it but just the idea of like i don't know it's it's all it's i feel it's more pressure to go into somebody else's world and see how it is yeah uh, and try and put it put it on screen somebody else's world that they created right um but you just don't have to me, as much of a connection, like no matter what, yeah. Even if you really like it, mm-hmm. you know, there's something different about creating it. I think, yeah. 
Um, and it's also, I, I just know myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it was a really cool project, even if I knew it inside and out, it was like the back of my hand or whatever. Yeah. I, I just know that I, given like two side-by-side movies, I would still be even just like a slightly bit more excited about the one that I created than yeah. the other one. If, even if I knew it back and forth, backwards I mean, and forwards. Yeah. And obviously if it's to the point where you get to choose that movie, it's developed enough that I, all the fears I have of like, Oh my gosh, this is my thing. It's, it all falls on me if this falls apart. I like that pressure. I mean, I do like that pressure. It also scares the shit out of me, but I prefer that pressure over like, oh, um, this guy's coming in. There's a yeah. whole team of other people who have already like talked about this, and they have their idea of what what they want, and you're mm-hmm. coming in trying to like basically achieve their idea, but also kind of insert your like. I don't like that yeah. scenario so much. And I mean, I guess it takes away some of the. And like if it's to the point where your idea is that they're ready to green light it, obviously it's developed enough. I'd feel confident that's like, all right, well, if you th- if somebody who didn't create this is good enough, is confident enough in this to green light it, then I have nothing to be worried about. Let's do this. Yeah. But like, I shot this, and now you want me to bring in on this, which somebody else created. I'd be like, ooh, I hope I don't do a disservice to this person who th- put their you know mm-hmm. body, mind, and soul into this script, and I'm just gonna totally fuck it up. Okay, now let's flip the script here. Uh oh, as they say. Um, uh oh, and pants on shirt. Go the, yes. Switch pants and shirts. Exactly. Okay. Put your put your arms through the pant legs. Uh, where's um, the head go? Well, all right. Um, all right. If you were approached, okay, to shoot in a dark alley, a tent pole. Well, not a temple, but like a temple concept, like something, uh, like a property okay. that already existed. Either a TV show, yeah. movie remake, or like a book or yeah. something. Like our good friend who is who wrote a treatment for uh, Shadowrun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you were, and they were like, "We love, we love this project. We want you to do it." Um, and it's a project you like, like right? yeah. Uh, some something maybe maybe it is Star Wars, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. What if they decide to do a Star Wars, but they say we want. We want to see what a Star Wars for a million dollars looks like. Ah, like a gritty Star Wars. Gotcha. Yeah, like a low budge. I definitely would. I definitely would. I I think it depends on how much, like, where my creative input starts. You know, it's like, there's horror stories and horror stories about, um, uh, about, like, people being brought on and giving creative freedom, and then that freedom is just not true. Um, If you ever... Listen to uh, Silent Bob Speaks, um, or uh, I think that's the name of the DVD. Um, that's the name of his book for Kevin Smith, but I think that's the name of his DVD. I forget what it is. He went on a tour. He went on speaking tours at, at uh, colleges with uh, Jason uh, Jason Muse, mm-hmm. and he told the story of somehow I forget the bird, Peters. His last name was Peters. He was a hairdresser, and he got just he was a hairdresser of the stars. And he somehow got his hands on the rights to S- Superman, yeah, franchise. Wow. <laughs> and Kevin James, Kevin James, Jesus, was on King of Queens, <laughs> <laughs> and was like, "I don't want to be Superman." No, uh, Kevin Smith uh, was brought in to write a draft um, for uh, you know a reboot of the Superman franchise. Yeah, I kind of remember this. 
And he went to meet with him, and the guy said three things. Superman can't fucking fly. No cape. And there has to be a giant spider. Mm. And that was like his demands. Those are, those are solid demands. Solid demands. Superman can't fly and can't wear a cape. But also, P.S., throw a giant fucking spider into it. Um, make it supernatural and sci-fi at the same time. Um, mm. Obviously, his draft was completely different. I, actually, I, I think in the draft he did, did have a spider. I don't know. His draft was great. But uh, the funny thing is, is that that producer that not, went on to um, make Wild Wild West with uh, uh, Will Smith, which yes. guess what? Ha- guess what's in there? Giant spider. Giant mechanical spider. Um, so, like, if I if someone, if someone were to give me a thing and say, "Hey, we want to keep in this rule in this world." And the demands weren't as ridiculous as a giant fucking spider in a world that doesn't that makes no sense to have a giant fucking spider. I would I would do it. I would be like, okay, there's some constraints. I like that challenge. Like, how yeah. can I make this interesting within the fact that Jedi can do this and you know there is the the you know the Empire and all the and that. I'd be like, yeah. okay, okay, okay. But if it's like it needs to be this, 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 you need to hit these beats, these characters, I'd be like, eh. Like, why don't you just get like a a script doctor to put it together. What about you? Yeah, I think I think it sounds really cool. Like, I would love that to be a movement that happens. You know, a short movement because, like everything, I would get, get tired of it. <laughs> you um, get tired with your own work. Yeah, but I, um, I think that'd be really cool to have uh, sort of properties that people know and love and see them done. Because again, I think out of the the lack of budget and the um that type of shoot is there's a lot of creativity that comes out of that or just like, you're like, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't know how they would pull this off and they didn't. It's really cool. I would, yeah, I would love a franchise that like, I would just love an owner of a franchise to just give faith like to a somebody. Papa Jones. Yeah. Someone <laughs> who owns a Papa Jones franchise. Just to be like, let's redo the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and have Papa Johns in yeah. all of it. Yeah. No, I just love somebody that owns, you know, Marvel owns, the, you know, Black Panther, yeah, all the Marvel comic franchises. Mm-hmm. Someone just to be like, you know what? I know licensing or like giving, buying the rights to this franchise is expensive as hell, but I'm just going to give it to you to do a $2 million movie. Yeah. See what you can do. You know what's funny? I guess they do that now that I think about Who? it. Who? And why have we Marvel. not contacted them? Marvel. They do that. Name it. Kind of. But they do it with Netflix series. That's true. So, but still, Netflix puts so much money about it. It's not low budget. It's not like it's not low, but but compared to the Avengers, it is. And I thought, I mean, Punisher. Was I haven't seen that yet. Is it good? good? Is it good? See, it, I think it works depending on the property because, like, the properties that they put onto TV are these like local heroes, like you know, like right, and and, they, and, and they're not necessarily they're not flying. Like, they're not really super. Yeah, they're not. Know, they're not flying. They're not slinging webs. They're like, you know, um. Daredevil, I do martial right. arts and I'm blind. Uh, Jessica right. Jones, I can fight and not be hurt. Yeah. Um, the Punisher. Uh, the Punisher. I'm just angry. I'm just angry and have a lot of guns and, and never somehow get, never yeah. die. Yeah. Um, Luke Cage, I can be beat up and not get hurt and I'm super strong. I mean, those are those are there's properties that like don't need to be translated. I think what's great and I think it has a little bit of a high budget is Legion, mm-hmm. um, which is just a total different take. Because it took a property about a guy who's schizophrenic, but also not, and you know, and just yeah, they were able to do more with it, and it's it's a twisted, awesome thing, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, 
How did we get here again from shot listing? You're right. Let's go back. Let's circle back around. No, let's not. Oh God, no, no. That, we 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 were we were dying at the end of that conversation. Um, <laughs> no, but I think like I think the good thing about doing no budget filmmaking early on is even if we did get this offer for like this big ten pole movie and all that, and we decided we wanted to, like I'm I'm not saying that if we were offered it immediately, I'd jump on it and be like, yep, I don't care what it is, I don't care what the rules are, I'm going to do it. Yeah. We could bring the things we learn from doing movies, I mean, and shorts for little to no money and do something cool, which I think a lot of, I think that's why we are bored with Marvel movies because you know what? They know they're going to make money. So why change the formula if they're just yeah. trying to print their own money? Yeah, it's it's true. And I do think, uh, like you said, I don't think the no budget, low budget, mentality ever goes away even even in just that when things happen on set and go awry you have to like think on your feet that that's a skill that uh you know you can sort of hone on these low budget sets because everything is a problem yeah yeah (laughs) no matter how much movie is a problem no matter how much money you have you're still gonna have problems and you still have to fix them yeah immediately yeah i'm always amazed at how people come up with crazy solutions to things. One of my favorite things about working on film sets is the tools and like the riggers, you know, like easy. Yeah. The, the grips, you know, uh-huh. yep. it's like, man, those are MacGyvers. Those are the MacGyvers yeah. of film sets. The best. It's like, Oh man. Okay. We need, we need this light to be up on this giant uh, spike we don't have a way to get it up there because we don't have yeah. a crane or anything. Yeah. Um, but we need it to be at the top. How do you yep. do that? And they're just like these sneaky engineers that figure stuff out. And they don't even bat an eye. They're like, yep, got it. Got it. Got it, boss. And they get it up there. I yeah. mean, that no matter what set you're on, there's still, I mean, there's still, like, like when uh, Zemeckis was shooting Beowulf, hey, crazy technology, crazy technology for the 3D space. Yeah, he was. I think he was still using a a, a coffee can on sticks to to track camera movement. Yeah, it's like because he wanted a something that was handheld and moving around. Yeah, I mean the fact like working on no budget films just prepares you for the worst possible scenario when you have twenty million dollars to to spend. Yeah, totally. Totes. I mean. On on the subject of uh, shot listing, I think we pretty much nailed it. I think we nailed this whole conversation on shot listing. Wow! Um, yeah, we ended it's with pretty murder comprehensive. <laughs> if you if you have any other questions about shot listing, um, you should read a book. Yeah, you should read a book. <laughs> mostly because there are no other questions. We answered all of them. Yeah. Um, and if you're shocked at how much of a tangent we went off on, um, please read the description where we said one sentence about shot listing and then 12 <laughs> sentences about everything else we talk about. <laughs> yeah. And to close it out, things we think are cool. Yeah, so we decided we would uh, end each episode with a what's cool Velcro segment. <laughs> yeah. Ice. <laughs> oh, boo. Boo. Um, um, you, you found a little something you like. Yeah, man. Yeah. So. Do tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't boy, be crazy. Don't be boy. crazy. Okay. Um, so I came across this uh, little piece of kit 
that you know nowadays with LEDs. <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> nowadays with LEDs, power is like something that is always on my mind. I don't know why, but I'm always trying to figure out how to get more power into places that shouldn't have power, right? Gotcha. Like batteries, but how do you get the batteries to last longer? Or like, how True. could I, how could I power this like light that's 700 watts? It's a really powerful LED. Uh, um, outlet would be good. An outlet would be good, but what if you're out in the middle of the woods, you know? Who's done that? Uh, yeah, I know, right? So, I saw this thing the other day. It's a DeWalt uh, power bank thing that uses four um, uh, DeWalt batteries that are, I think they're they're 20 volt max, but they have like six amp hours each, and you just like s- slap them on there, and then it's got a a standard like Edison plug on it. Oh, that took a long way to get to what you were saying was cool. Man, it's so cool. <laughs> uh, the only thing is, so it's like a goal zero, right? But it has, I think, the way they the way they describe it. I don't know if this is true. I can't. You, know, you can never trust the specs that they put out there. But they say eighteen hundred watts, mm. uh, thirty two hundred peak watts Damn. for like starting and whatnot. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's only with like the biggest batteries or if, if that's with the smaller batteries that you can get. I'd love it if DeWalt sent us some so we could test them out. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. DeWalt? Um, the only thing, I'm not sold on it yet because I've been sort of having my eye on the, the Goal Zero type oh, stuff. I love Goal Zero. For a while. I mean, we have a lot of batteries and yep. we have different like power block situations and stuff, but there's something nice about having a, a readout that says, hey, you probably have like an hour left. Yeah. That's just so nice. Yeah. Did for you know example, that? Did you know that DeWalt is German for the Walt? I did not know that. I no. didn't either because I, I think I made it up. But go ahead. Wow. However, how did they know Breaking Bad was coming out? <laughs> um, however, oh, oh we we um we shot a project like you mentioned out in the woods. Yep. Right? We had no generator. We couldn't bring a generator, a gas generator. Nope. So the only power source we had were batteries, and at the time we had. We had some gold mount batteries just on a charger. We had um, Those some best cores. Best core batteries. We had the Kessler. We had a, a little Kessler battery that was meant for our Cine slider. Yeah, the Cine oh. slider with the um, the Cine drive brain Brutal. and stuff, um, and just like this hodgepodge of batteries. Right, None we were of them. we were charging the camera batteries in somebody's uh, they had in a my honda, truck and honda element mo had the honda El- oh i said names uh they had the honda element mm-hmm. and that had a edison plug in it and we were charging batteries to get the final shots yeah and, and we were like, charging it in my truck my truck yeah. bed um, yeah, oh yeah that's right in the middle of the night in the woods in the yeah. angeles national forest yeah um and none of the batteries that we brought not a single one really had like a digital readout to it nope Died. That, and just so turned off. We were just like praying, crossing our fingers that the, the battery and the lights would last the whole time. Some of them started sort of like dimming and flickering. Yep. You know, it would depend on what battery it was plugged into. We also, <laughs> like the best score batteries were classic because <laughs> they just, they're the weirdest batteries, right? The only way we could <laughs> get them to work was some of these lights because they weren't all um, XLR powered. They Some of them, you just, ha- we had like a, uh, I don't know, you just had like a, a wall power outlet type thing that we needed, so we had to use inverters in these uh, Bescor batteries because Bescor batteries include like the weird little car, uh, the car plug, Yep, which is hilarious. Uh, so I bought these inverters that were just terrible from Home Depot. 
Yeah, they were pretty bad. And they just failed on us the whole time. But anyway, these DeWalt things also don't have a readout. Ugh, but even worse. They beep. They beep when they're dying. They beep when they die. Oh, the last thing you need is some more audio issues while you're trying to get that last shot off. Yeah. But luckily, but the, what I do like about the, the DeWalt is that you have four... I mean, basically, you're taking, you're taking the batteries that are used on all their power tools and just putting it into a block and using them as a single battery unit. Battery source, yeah. Um, Which and is so, cool. you know, if you have the money... I think the base itself is 250 and then for two batteries is 250 So if you have the money, which, you know, not everyone does. We're talking no-budget filmmaking, but the alternatives are so much more expensive. Yeah. Um, you could buy eight of these batteries and have them all fully charged. And when you're done with the four, pop them out, hook them up to a power source, charge them, throw four more in, and it's you're good to go. There's not really other... I don't know of any other example of something that can be switching out power like that so easily. Yeah, nothing... On the consumer level that I can think of, I mean, no. like our, our power blocks do that. We have like Anton Bauer gold mount power yeah. blocks that can you can switch out, but those are all XLR power. You don't have anything yeah. that has like a regular house power on it. And especially with LEDs, th- those are all usually Ed- Edison plugs. The, I mean, LEDs are Edison plugs. They don't usually have XLR power. Well, it depends. I mean, sometimes you do. Yeah, you do a lot of times. It depends, though. Like, the old light panels have their own special connection. Oh, that's right. Connection. That, yeah, that's true. But, like, the My bad. The this is why I'm not do, the wasps do. It just depends. Depends. I feel like more of them are going in that direction. Now. Into XLR? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always get an Edison to XLR yeah. converter if you really need to. But, like, our big Mac techs don't. Nope. Nope. Those are just straight Edison. And those are great on set, but if you can't power them... Screwed. Screwed. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, so that's that's something cool that I found. I, I mean, that'd be good. you could power a bunch. I'm sure you could power an LED like a like a sky panel all day on that. Oh god, yeah. yeah we could probably do those MacTech. We could probably do two or three of those MacTechs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on you? and on about all the cool stuff because NAB just happened. I mean, it's I. There's not enough time in this podcast to talk about all the cool things that we found. I mean, I just want to go to NAB with a giant truckload of money and just buy one of everything that they have there. Um, It's amazing. Um, It is all shiny and new. Shiny and new. I mean, and we don't have a lot of shiny and new here. We're no-budget filmmaking, so a lot of our stuff is used. Mm -hmm. Gets the job done. Um, I think shiny and new would be our uh, Panasonic V35. Yeah. Uh, That's probably the newest thing. The, The thing we got that was brand new when we bought it. Yeah. Can we think of anything else that was brand new when we bought it? The Hives. The hives, yes, the we'll, hives. We kickstarted those. We kickstarted those, so we got in those early. But I mean, NAB. If you just go on something like No Film School or Cinema Five D, you could just see all the brand new toys that just I am envious of, and I want follow focuses, remote follow focuses. Is there focuses. anything in particular, one single that stands out to you? The little Sputnik lights that they came out with are pretty sick. The lights, the Voyager that, ones. Yeah, the Voyagers. Yeah, those are really cool. I love those. Um, I'm really getting into the smart. LED systems that have like patterns and mm-hmm. you know if you need to do like a, a police light effect yep. or like a TV effect it will just do it that I'm down with that yeah I mean um, you know what we should check I think Hive just released their firmware updates for for our lights that add the effects we should um, check. that would be sick we should check um, there was a, a speaking of the Voyagers there was another thing that came out that was very similar it was smaller. And 
a lot cheaper by a different company. Oh, you know what it was? It was I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like uh, the modular light. It, they're lights. They they look like light sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what it was. Um, let me let me think. Oh well, Cineo. Cineo has that. Has that. But it's also oh the people that made the Pixel Stick. How you? I think there. I thought there was somebody else. Um, the Pixel Stick is like this. Roscoe. Roscoe made one. Roscoe made some stuff. Really? Yeah. Go. Go ahead. Go. Go. Go back. Go, keep going. Well, the Pixel Stick is this little LED light bar that you use for t- for uh, photography to do like those crazy long exposure light effects. Um, and that company made one. Uh, for video and photography, that's more of a um, uh, a light that has an app, you know, an i an iPhone app or whatever um, that will allow you to change certain pixels in the actual LED, Ooh, which is kind of cool. You know? That's cool. That's and cool. It, you can do patterns and different effects and stuff, and I don't know that kind of stuff. I get excited by because I think about all. I'm all about gear that does more than one thing. You know, especially in the no budget world, like having a light that can fill many, uh, you know, tasks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Roscoe came out with a with a, it's called the Roscoe Mix, um, and it's kind of like that. It's like these uh, kind of like two different sizes, and they're all different like colors, uh, hue, saturation, intensity, and they kind of like you kind of build them together, and they could all be different or the same. Um, I, I love the look of that. That looks awesome. Um, big fan of that. That's, that's kind of something that I don't know. I mean, I don't know if coming out, they're going to have the effects that we like, but yeah. I mean, all this stuff is just a firmware update away. I mean, that's what's so great. Know, about that it. is what's so cool is like, even the sky panels, yeah, they yeah. keep getting these firmware updates and I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's awesome. Like the gels, the, the patterns, all that stuff. I just think... It's. I can't wait until they start making LEDs that can really, really start competing with like HMIs and stuff like that. In terms of brightness and power out. Exactly, because <sighs> once that happens, I mean, I'd go LED all the way. Man, I'm I'm so close to going LED all the way just because of the HMIs that we sell, like how heavy they are and how much. Oh, yeah. They are. They're heavy beasts, but I think those. The LEDs that would come out would also be heavy bees, but at least you wouldn't have to lug around a ballast and a big old head, you know? That's true. That's true. I mean, like, the LEDs coming out are just, like, the fact that they're getting um, built-in filters. Like, you don't have to carry a, a big box of filters around. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, man, what a great day and age to be doing low-budget films. Like, it's just, yeah, they may be expensive, but the things you don't have to buy if you buy these little bit more expensive lights. Just so sick. Love it. I mean, yeah. and then, you know, um, I think Adamus released some new uh, monitors and, you know, we're both big fans of Adamus's. Yeah, um, I want definitely. those. want those hardcore. Um, oh, yeah. They just, have the, the Ninja 5. Yep. Yep. I just, yeah, totally. I want it all. I, you know, it, it, it I, I, I love that because, I mean, yeah, the seven-inch monitors that they have are great, but seven inches on, like, a, a DSLR, it's just, like, that thing's so much bigger than the actual camera, you know? Like, if you're shooting on an A7S or, like, a, a GH5 or something, those big seven-inch monitors just don't really do it. So having the five is really pretty cool. 
Yeah. I'm excited yeah. about that. I have another one. Another thing. Oh, that, man. Okay, let's hear uh, it. I showed this to you the other day. I don't know how to say it is the problem I'm having. It's It, it looks like it should be Mosier. Okay, tread lightly. Um, it's basically measure with an O instead of the E, but it's this app-driven measuring tool that you can oh. use um, to sort of measure everything, like angles. You can do like volume of a room and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's like you sent me that. That replaces, is oh. yeah, it's so cool, and it it uses an app and this little device that you carry around. Um, but what I like, or what I like, the idea of having it for would be location scouts where you could easily sort of get the measurements oh, of a room. Yeah. I think that'd be so handy. I mean, you don't yeah. have to like tape measure it out and stuff like that if you're concerned about oh, that man. type of thing. Art department should get all over this thing. I know. So cool. Be amazing. Be amazing. Yeah, measure volume, all that stuff. I'm looking at the, the, the Indiegogo at it right now. Oh, so cool. So cool. The only thing I, I... I love Indiegogo and Kickstarter and stuff like that. I just... You always worry about whether it's going to happen accurate when yep. it, when it does happen. Like, how accurate is that going to be? And, and if you're even going to get it, I, I did something for Kickstarter two years ago. So I haven't gotten it. You did something that they refunded your money. Yeah, because it, it never came. Yeah, I mean, I also like bacon and pizza. Oh, that's big things I'm on right now. I'm on yeah. the bacon and pizza diet. The bacon pizza diet. Yeah, um, it's called pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, the, I mean, NAB kind of just filled my heart with envy of everything that you could buy now because I want it all. It's awesome. I'd love to up- upgrade everything we have here with new stuff, uh, 4K monitors. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, there's some cool stuff out there. Always, and it, now there's like new stuff every day. I know. That's the hard part is. What do you, it's like now film equipment has moved into the computer realm where it's like, as soon as you buy something, it's obsolete. Yeah. So you have to question whether you're making the right decision buying, which a lot of people would say you're not. Yeah. You just rent it. Exactly. That's true. But we don't we don't follow those rules. No, we, we don't. keep buying stuff and renting it. So, you know, we're the we're the idiots. I guess so. Uh but but again, when you have a sweet, sweet uh um uh what was I just lost my train of thought. Hamburger. Yeah, hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> we have sweet the ability, the sweet, sweet ability to update firmware and kind of make a light something brand new. Yeah. It's a little less risky to buy the stuff. I agree. You know, I did like, I did, I, I forgot about it. Um, there's two things. One, you showed me that like, magnetic car mount. Oh, yeah, the cloud mount. The cloud mount. Big fan of that. Love That's it. That's really it, cool. It's kind of like, yeah. Uh, oh, of, that one. Yeah, yeah. It's made by the same company, yeah. Rig Wheels, that makes the cloud mount. Yeah. But it's. It like uh, uses a magnet through glass, right? Yeah. It's like two magnets, so it's one two on magnets. either side of the glass. Yeah, so you don't have any suction cups. Super strong earth magnets that kind of like hold, I would say probably a DSLR, nothing bigger. Yeah, they're um, coated in rubber so they don't like Coated in rubber, and anything. you can just put it on your, the windshield of your car, and you, you're you locked and loaded, and your car's, your camera's stable. Yeah, I'm all about that. And those are going to be kind of cheap. I think they're like 250 bucks. Oh, love it. great. And then I forgot, I forgot, I'm getting more specific, just looking at all the things that come up from NAB. Um, LumaForge's Jellyfish. Remember that one? It's that portable networking storage unit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing is sick. I mean, uh, it literally, you just hardwire computers into it. On set or in a studio or in an office, it can get up to 240 terabytes. Um, and you're actually you're not even hardwired via USB or uh, Thunderbolt or any or USB C. Three, 
it is um or USB three USB C. Uh, I don't even can't even keep them all straight Who anymore. Um, it's all through Ethernet, which is even faster than all that. It's ten yeah. gigabit, you know, ports, Crazy. and you can just have you know, you can have. I think it is six people, six different computers hooked up to the same, uh, basic network storage, and I'll be editing off of it. Amazing, love it, want that. Um, we have two Pegasus. R fours, mm-hmm. and I'm already jealous of this uh, Jellyfish Mobile. I want it. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Luma Forge. If for some odd reason you find your way coming to this podcast, I would love a Jellyfish Mobile. Maybe at the 240 terabyte range, that'd be sweet. Yeah. We, just we a should, demo unit, you know, yeah. like just something to loan to us forever. Yeah, yeah. Just, just for about a hundred days. Yeah. Yeah, I just kidding. Hundred years. Hundred um, years. Yeah, and um, you know we we're shooting 4K, so we're just uh, need we that. need it. You need that. We need that. So yeah. whenever, um, just kind of throwing throwing out some feelers. If anybody knows anybody who works at LumaForge, uh, let us know. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, think I think that'll think do it. I think, I think we're we, going to wrap it up here. That we talked way too long for our own good. Man, that was a great episode about shot listing. Yeah, super good. <laughs> and we came to the conclusion that, yes, we would do something in the Star Wars universe if it was not connected to the sequels. As reasons. long as it is about the plot of Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, it's true. Murder, All She right. Wrote in the Star Wars universe. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, man. All right. All right. Let's get out of this. Everyone, everyone's already tuned out, so we're fine. Uh, yeah. So... Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast Yay. on iTunes. If you love this so much. Yeah, if you love it so much, subscribe and there will be more. Uh, also, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. <laughs> you won't. Doubtful. You Doubtful. won't. Oh, God. We're going to get... Can you go negative stars? I don't think so. Oh, no. Nah, but either I, way... I bet we're going to break the mold and do that. Also, go over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode one. Sweet. To get some some uh, sweet show notes and all that kind of stuff. Make sure you check out our other sites, Gilded Cinema. That's our production company, and Cinema Summit. That is our learning website. Yep, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Cinema Summit, Instagram, Facebook page, Cinema Summit. Do the whole thing. Yeah, you know what to do. Do it now. We'll see you next time. See you. Wow. Yeah, because we'll be at their place next time. Oh, creepy. <laughs>